0: How to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection? I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Get subscribed in your podcast app so that simply by listening you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling or couples therapy.
1: Back to Relationships Psych the podcast. And I have a very interesting, cool guest here with us today, someone I'm stoked to learn from. I've got Orit Cruz. She's an award-winning board-certified dance movement therapist. And why this is so intriguing to me is it's something I know almost nothing about. I can easily see why her skill set complements my skill set and why she's someone I need to learn a lot from. I was just telling her that, you know, I get emails daily from people pitching guests to come on my show. And 99% of them I delete because they're not a good fit. I opened hers being like, oh, great. Another person that's going to pitch me for my show. That is an awful fit. They've never heard anything about my show. They don't know anything about, well, they might know some things about relationships, but they have nothing that has a credential to that. And then I'm trying to bring you real relationship science here to help you in your relationship, not just based off someone's what they thought or their experience, but they can pull their experience to the science and let's bring pe- things that are going to really help people. So that's why she got my attention because it's something that, you know, she has this real certification and she has specialization training in from a very unique perspective. And I'm like, cool, let's learn. So her specialization is in helping women heal from past trauma and enjoying healthy lifelong relationships with their partner using a super unique and cool approach with dance therapy. So for over eleven years, she's transformed the lives lives of more than five thousand clients from ten different countries. She's led thousands of therapy sessions with psychiatric patients who have gone from feeling suicidal to joyful and dancing and reigniting their desire to live again in less than an hour. Cool. Like let's learn more about that. So she has this really neat. If you go to her website, there's a free online video program called Rewired for Love. I was going through the sales pages like I want. I want to take this. What's going on here? I'm very interested. So anyway, it's it's already helped thousands of people break free from their unhealthy relationship cycles and experience more positive transformations and love in their lives. So she's featured in her own podcast, which you can check it out, Mind Your Body. I'm sure she'll tell us about it. Just welcome to the show, Arit. I'm so excited to have you.
2: Thank you so much, Amber. Thanks for that intro. And you can definitely sign up for that uh, video program if you'd like. I will. Um, I'm like, so, so interested to learn from you. Okay. So
1: like we've talked about, you have a unique and interesting uh, specialization when it comes to therapy, when it comes to healing trauma, A, tell us about what
2: dance movement therapy is. And then B, how did you get into that? Yeah. Well, I think I'll start with how I got into it and then I'll, I'll share a little bit more about what dance therapy is. Um, So I grew up dancing in a local studio since I was four years old. And meanwhile, throughout my entire childhood, basically until I left my home, um, I was experiencing a lot of trauma. And so going to dance and moving my body, expressing myself through this medium was really helpful for me in, you know, honestly, using it as an escape and, um, and expressing some anger and some feelings that I, I wasn't allowed to in other places or it wasn't safe for me. Um, and so I had a, an idea that, oh, well, this could actually be a form of therapy, right? Um, Didn't think it was a real thing, and my mom actually said, you know, she found it in an article. She's like, you can do dance therapy, and I was like, what? What's that? Um, Turns out it's a legit field, uh, not super widely well-known yet. We're working on it. Um, I went to Pratt Institute, got my master's, and after thousands of supervised hours, you know how it is, uh, got my board certification in dance therapy, and also a license in creative arts therapy in New York and um, spent a lot of time working in psychiatric hospitals. And then for the last three years, working exclusively online in my own business, specifically helping women heal past trauma from their bodies through dance and movement so that they can stop sabotaging their relationships and really allow themselves the love that they want and deserve. And the reason I got into that is because I had my own experience being in talk therapy for several years, which was really helpful in gaining awareness about why I kept being jealous, insecure, passive aggressive. Um, I'll call myself or my past self crazy, right? Why I was doing all the things, but I couldn't change it. And so, at the time I graduated with my master's, I joined a dance therapy program to help me shift those patterns. And it, it just took everything I knew in my mind and finally integrated into my body, so I can um, stop pushing away my partner and really let his love in. He's my husband now, by the way.
1: Oh, amazing! And I, I think there's so many good things about what you just said. And. I think, you know, like there's part of normal talk therapy where you just get awareness. And I think sometimes that's the only place therapists can go. And it's not a surprise to me if that was your experience, you got stuck. Because I think the research shows us we need more than awareness to overcome some of those patterns. But the awareness is a super helpful jumping off place. But then we need to jump off, and there's more that needs to happen. And, you know, in a different way, I relate to early experiences. I was a martial artist, I was on the national team for Taekwondo in Canada when I was younger. And I didn't know at the time, but it probably saved me because I, too, was going through trauma and, you know, my life was very chaotic, but it was a, a, a stabilizing thing in my life. I was just good at and it was at a really high level. But what I think I also didn't realize was just how that movement um, was releasing things in my body and my the impact of the trauma in my life. I decided to quit Um in a series of events, I was, I was scheduled to go to world championships and I had made this team after training for 35 hours a week for months. And then, uh, the coaches decided to pull Western Canada out of the competition. That was where I lived and I didn't get to go after winning all of my divisions, winning everything to get to go. And I was devastated. So I quit martial arts. And promptly after quitting, I gained 60 pounds in two months. Couldn't stop eating, uh, the flashbacks, the recurring images, the shaking, the hypervigilance, it was so stored in my body. And, um, it was just wild to me how once I stopped using movement, I really experienced the impacts. And when I started using movement again in, in combination with other things, I, you know, some of that changed. And, and it's only through later in my life understanding some of the impact and, and relating to stories like yours, you start to see how movement, even though I wasn't trained in it, you intuitively know. So anyway, take us to now, we've heard some of your experience, but take us to like, okay, what is this?
2: Yeah. Um, the simplest way I like to put it is because when people are like, I have no idea what that means, I'm like, picture just regular, regular psychotherapy. You're talking with a therapist about what's going on, working through your issues, right? Um, except instead of talking about it, our primary way of exploring and expressing and working through unresolved stuff is through the body and through movement. And sometimes that looks like, Some sort of dancey stuff. Um, A a lot of times where people get kind of uh, you know, justifiably confused is like, do we need a structure dance or what kind of dance are we doing? And it's really not about that. It's it's going, it's accessing the feelings, the emotions, the trauma in your body, and um in a strategic way, feeling. And following how you want to move with it and through it and release it, and it might be more might be helpful to talk more about how trauma is stored in the body um, to get a little bit deeper into it if you, if you want.
1: Yes, let's go there. How is trauma stored in the body?
2: Um. So, we when we experience trauma, the higher functioning part of our brain that we use to talk, rationalize make decisions, plan, write journal, repeat affirmations, all the mind stuff, that part of the brain goes offline when we experience trauma or highly stressful events. So what actually is being remembered is through the nonverbal brain and the body is the trauma memories get stored as fragments of sensations. So if you've ever had an experience where you know, even the change of seasons, if you live in a, you know, in a place where that happens, you smell the cold air and all of a sudden you might feel scared or you might, I've had clients who will just be fine walking down the street and have a flashback all of a sudden, because there's some sort of smell or there's some sort of sound that is triggering the memory of the old trauma. It doesn't make sense in the moment, but that's how the trauma is stored. Um, If you are talking with somebody and they have a certain look, uh, so this happens a lot with my clients, they're in a healthy relationship. And um, of course, once, once in a while in a healthy relationship, we still get frustrated with each other. So their partner will give them some sort of look. It's not abusive, nothing toxic or unhealthy is happening. But all of a sudden they go like almost time warp back into the time of their trauma, believe in their nervous system, the nervous system perceives that the trauma is happening all over again. And what's supposed to be a healthy, productive, although uncomfortable conversation turns into, I'm reacting now in a fight, flight, freeze or shutdown response because my nervous system thinks this is going to be too dangerous for me to survive. Um, It's it's life-threatening even possibly. Um, so it's just the the trauma gets stored as faint uh, faint remind or faint sensations or fragments of sensations, and so many things when the trauma is unresolved can really trigger that any faint reminder of that. Um, so that's kind of where we start because it's normal. It's even really smart if you've experienced past trauma to find ways to disconnect from your body. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to, you know, if I, if I have to feel pain, you know, I'm going to numb that, or I'm going to disconnect that or uh, from that, or I'm going to constantly be on my phone. So, so many people with unresolved trauma are disconnected from their bodies. So that's kind of the first step that, you know, that I do my team and I do is we help them gently, safely connect back to their bodies through, through, um, through, just really simple movement, really simple tuning in. Um, Inevitably, as people start to move in this new way, even if they've done yoga before, even if they've done, um, like you said, martial arts, even if they've done like other structured things or even other dancey things, it's such a non-structured coming from your body kind of way that it's gonna inevitably stir up old trauma memories just by having a new experience in the body or a new sensation from the new experience. I like
1: how you're explaining that it, it's stored and there's different cues. And I probably am gonna butcher this uh, story, but I'm gonna go with it anyway. I'm I'm flashing back to, you know, flashing back to um, school. And one of the stories in school that we learn about when I don't remember if the patient they're talking about has some sort of dementia or just can't remember things. But anyway, it's the story of this little old lady. And she goes to the doctor and shakes the doctor's hand it's an experiment i think She shakes the doctor's hand the first time nothing happens and then she leaves the doctor's office comes back again but she doesn't remember meeting the doctor the second time the doctor has a pin in his hand and he shakes the little lady's hand and the pin pricks her and she pulls back and goes out and then she leaves the doctor and because she has some sort of memory deficit she doesn't remember meeting the doctor so on the third time she goes back and meets the doctor for for her it's the first time and he reaches out to shake her hand and she says you know i don't shake hands because sometimes doctors hurt you mm. and i think this is an experiment but anyway the, it goes on to to talk about how uh you know the explicit memory doesn't always remember what was dangerous and you know this particular patient she didn't explicitly remember this doctor but implicitly somewhere deep down she knew that doctors were dangerous and could hurt you and i think that just speaks to kind of what you're talking about even if we don't have the conscious recall Somewhere our body knows that something is dangerous and it is smart and even adaptive sometimes to disconnect. Okay. So let's imagine we're at that place now. We know we've we've maybe generated some awareness that we are disconnecting. We're uncomfortable in our bodies. We've gotten to that place of awareness. What's next?
2: Hmm. Yeah. So uh, this is what I, we were talking about a little bit before, uh, before we hit record is like, with that awareness, you can create change or or that that self-awareness can become toxic self-awareness. Yeah, let's talk about
1: that. Let's go there for a quick second. Sure. Um, I know you talked about toxic self-awareness and I know you've written an article on it, but can you just help us understand even what toxic self-awareness is, what that means? Sure.
2: Um, and I've only written about it. I haven't really spoken about it. So let's see how this comes out. Um, so toxic self-awareness is when you have so much self-awareness and so much reflection and insight that it actually hinders your ability to heal. It keeps you stuck in your mind instead of becoming more embodied, which is really, right? When the trauma is or in the body, we need to be in our bodies in order to heal. We need a safe, healthy foundation of being, uh, being safe in our bodies in order to start healing the trauma in there. And so um, that's in a nutshell, toxic self-awareness, especially because one of the most common nervous system responses for people who have trauma is to freeze. They're frozen, they're paralyzed in their bodies and they wanna take action. They, they have the awareness of what to do. This was my experience too. But it's like every time you get into an uncomfortable discussion with your partner, y- you yell again or you, you freeze up again, or, you know, you kind of run through the same scripts of, oh, I could have said this differently. Um, I should have done this differently. I shouldn't I, Next time I'm not gonna re- react that way. I'm gonna say these words. Like you can go as far as practic- practicing a script, but the moment the uncomfortable uh, conflict or situation comes up, or something small your partner does that triggers you so much to the point where you know I'm overreacting, but you can't do anything differently about it. That's you know that's toxic self awareness.
1: Mm. You know what I'm just reminded of as you're talking, we are in that state, you're frozen. You're in that state. You like know uh, that you're maybe you should be doing something different. You you know you're overwhelmed and how it's stored in your body. I'm just reminded right now of the research that that talks about. Or we're in that frozen state, we're responding in a way we don't wanna respond, or maybe we know we're going to in a hot second. Um, it's a nervous system thing. And so our nervous system is offline. And what people don't realize is if you were to put a pulse oximeter or check your pulse rate in that moment, your heart rate's probably actually going over 100 beats per minute. And you're, you're even though you're sitting down or maybe standing, your nervous system thinks basically you're, you're running or you're doing a brisk walk. It doesn't realize you're sitting in the safety of your home with your partner. And so your body on the inside is reacting that way. And sometimes it's really hard to see visually in our partners we're like they look calm, but on, on the outside, but on the inside, their nervous systems go haywire. And what our nervous system is doing that we can't respond calmly. We can't rehearse whatever thing we've practiced because truly, truly we're offline. And so I know that you were giving me before we hit record some signs that you're in that awareness place. Can you maybe give us a few of those actual signs that you might be in that maybe toxic awareness phase and you're stuck there? What might you be up to?
2: Sure, Um, I have 10 signs, so it's hard to pick a few, but we'll just go with it and maybe we can give the article to those who want to learn more. Hmm. Um, Yeah, we'll link it in the show notes. Great idea. Cool. Um, So one of them is constantly trying to figure yourself out. Um, there's a level, I'm sure you see this in your clients where understanding yourself and having self-reflection is really helpful. And it's like, oh yes, I need to know this about myself. But when it gets to a point where it's like, you're constantly trying to, you're in interaction with others, you're in interaction in your relationship and you're not present because you're in your head being like, oh no, like maybe I'm responding this way because I don't trust this person right now. Or you know, it's like, you're not really there. Um, this includes going down rabbit holes of research, right? It's like, no matter how much research you do, you know about the nervous system responses, you know about polyvagal theory, you know about like all the latest trends in trauma, right? Cause that's like, that's happening a lot lately. Uh, tra- trauma is trending. You know, everything you need to know, yet you're still repeating the same behaviors. Yeah learning theory is still so different than being able to shift it i can give an example too of a client who's coming to mind about this if yeah, um just to please do yeah just to paint a clear picture so um we had a client who did my signature program let Love in back in actually it was a year ago october 2020 and when she came to, she was having issues of her nervous system going into flight. So literally when she got into conflict with her husband, she would get in her car and drive away. She would run away. It was too much to handle, right? Her, and it was like, it's like you said, the mind, the mind, the mind can't really be present at those moments. The nervous system is reacting like this. And it's like, I have to run away or else I'm going to die or else I'm going to get really hurt. So she would drive away, and of course, this was ruining her marriage because she she couldn't be present for any uh, for anything really, any kind of intimacy. And so, through the program, this was something she had never done before. She had done a lot of mindset programs and uh, talk therapy and had had a great level of awareness. But um, what was happening in the sessions? Because she did this in a small. Small group. So there were two other women plus uh, one of my therapists working with her. Um, Whenever things got more intimate, whenever they were moving in a more intimate way or more connecting way, she would start to feel herself, and my therapist would see this too, uh, leaving. She couldn't literally leave, right? Because this was happening over Zoom, it was virtual. Um, She wanted to stay in, in the therapy, but she could feel leaving, disconnecting from her body, dissociating. And there was a really crucial moment where in one session, it was later in the program, she caught herself. And my therapist, Sarah kind of saw this happening before she actually could, could leave her body and leave and disconnect from the relationships. Sarah, Sarah helped her stay and regulate and move through, um, move through in a way that was, you know, just uniquely working for her. And the other women in the group also joined her movement. So now they're all moving together. And uh, the client, Lavinia, she's given me permission to share her name. um, She, she stayed and she connected and she It was just like a life-changing moment for her to feel her body and her nervous system instinctually want to escape. And yet she stayed in in intimate, intimate uh, connection. And it was a, it was a huge breakthrough for her. And now she doesn't run away. She doesn't get in her car. She can stay in, in conflict and in intimacy with her husband Um, she still feels anger, like normal, like all normal people do, but, um, she doesn't flip out. She doesn't run away. She doesn't freeze up. In fact, most recently she was sharing that, um, she was more assertive and, and direct than she had ever been before. Um, and she just realized all these feelings about wanting to leave her marriage, not being able to handle it. Um, it was all because of her past trauma and now they, they have this beautiful, closer connection than ever before.
1: Wow. That's a really powerful story. So I guess you, you began to talk there about what this could look like.
2: Mm-hmm. So I guess
1: if somebody is starting to feel in the moment, they're starting to sense that slipping away from their body, that impulse to leave. What are some of the tools, skills, movements that you teach that helps someone reconnect that, that maybe she went through?
2: Yeah. Um, and that's the crucial moment where that's essentially the process of rewiring the nervous system is when your nervous system and when you want to escape, you actually learn how to regulate through that fear and stay and move through it. Um, there's no specific, uh, there's no specific movements that we teach. There are some, uh, frameworks that we teach that I can go into a little bit, but in terms of like that moment, that moment where you want to escape and and we help you, like we help the, the clients stay present and regulate and move through it. It's it's like at that point we've learned what what's helpful in helping this particular client stay. Um, mm-hmm. for some people, it's like it's a sway. So it's very, it's very in the moment. It's like, I see you, I see you wanting to leave or see you disconnecting. I'm losing you right now. Um, I see you freezing up. Can we move together? And it's just kind of like a mirroring. And sometimes depending on where we're at in the therapeutic relationship, we're leading that or Mm -hmm. we're like, can you move through this? What can you do right now to stay connected? Maybe it's some self-touch. Maybe it's a sway. Maybe it's like, I don't know, like for Uh, for some clients it's coming to the floor and and feeling that support on the floor, but it's really just important to keep moving through it. It's more than a pose and it's more than like, yeah, like it's not some people like to compare what we do to yoga um, or a power pose. It's like so much more than that. It's not just about the movement. It's also about staying in relationship. So the key for Lavinia is not only that she moved through it and she moved with, she stayed in connection because that was her problem. She disconnected and she left the relationship as well as her body in those um, highly stressful moments. They were highly stressful for her.
1: And it sounds like as you're describing um, what this could look like for each person, it's a bit of really mirroring and understanding maybe uniquely what that person needs in that moment. So it could be a sway. It could be a, you know, sinking to the floor, but it sounds like you and your team must just be quite skilled and kind of grasping onto the energy and, and getting a sense of what kind of movement, what kind of reconnection would be helpful.
2: Absolutely. And it could look different in, in different sessions. Yeah. Right? And I think that's key too, because there's a lot of in, in trauma healing, it's kind of like, oh, but that worked for me last time. Why isn't it working for me again? Yeah. It's like your body is so like the, the trauma memories that we store or the just day to day, the way that you feel the energy you have, it's just so different. Some days uh, when I'm feeling stress, I need to like put on some music and really feel more energetically and physically my emotions and move through that. And sometimes I'm like lying down here on my couch and just soothing myself with really gentle, subtle, minimal self, I don't know, self-touch and so for everybody who's, who can't see her video, cause this is audio. I mean, you might be watching the video.
1: She's doing like a really gentle touch on her arms. Maybe you touch She's touched her chest. And it's, it's this very gentle touch that looks very nurturing that I could imagine a kind of like really loving touch. you give a loved one, maybe a child. And that that's what she's describing here that you can't, you can't see necessarily unless you're watching this as a video right now.
2: Yeah. And it's not planned. It's just like very, very in the moment. Like you said, we're skilled at being just very, very in the moment with what each person needs, even within a small group setting. And it's like, it's not a planned movement. Like I'm going to rub my my hands, my arms now. It's just like, all right, I'm going with this and let's just let the body lead and see. And one of, um, one of my clients who's in my membership was just finding that, uh, one of the things, one of the themes we do monthly themes and it was, in uh, August, I think we were doing a theme of ending patterns of nitpicking. And so I led them through this whole, you know, these videos. And I think one of the last ones was find a movement that you're going to do the moment that you, um, that you find this urge or you feel this urge to nitpick. And I had them go through the process where they really were finding something uniquely that would work for them. And one of the women like found this just like touching her face gently, um, and feeling, feeling that, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's just, it's just very grounding. And it's, I don't know, I not feel like we don't really touch our faces very much. So it's this like new way of connecting with yourself at the moment, because nitpicking is really a lot about ourselves a our projection of our own stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, I think even just the touch
1: again, so she's very gently touching her face. And I think even if you think it's just about attachment and uh, facilitating of attachment bonds in maybe parents or children who are having a hard time uh, relating and connecting, there's a lot through maybe like TheraPlay that is done through playing, but a lot of that is also using one of the dimensions is nurturing touch And what I'm seeing you kind of do, and correct me if I'm wrong, is finding people giving them almost a tool or permission to begin to engage in what could be a nurturing touch for yourself as a self-soothing, like kind of connecting, reestablishing relationship with yourself in a very gentle way. I don't know. What do you think about that? Is that an accurate kind of possible frame to think about
2: it? Yes. With, uh, and, and adding to that, that it's momentary. it's ever evolving. It's not yeah. just like I have this one thing, even though I, I kind of gave that example for one specific thing, but it's just like at every moment I can connect to my body and know, what I need, um, and that translates to behavior. Yeah. Um, another way that another very important piece that even a lot of body-centered therapies don't do is this movement slash dance piece. And every movement actually represents a different behavior. So one of the stories I love sharing is um, one of my very first clients in um, in my online business doing this this very specific work, and. She had also gone through over 20 years of of talk therapy, energy healings, a bunch of different things she tried. And then she excitedly and also reluctantly started working with me because it's just a very different thing. It's she's like, this is really out of my comfort zone. But she was continually freezing up whenever she and her husband were um, trying to have discussions. And as a result, she she kind of like just blocked him out of their marriage and their Their parent, like who they were as a parenting team. And so, of course, um, she wanted to bring that back and resolve that and reconnect. So, one of the things that we did, one of the things that we do in general, that I did specifically with her, her name is Bridget. um, We one in one session explored strong movements and light movements. So, like polarities of, right, I can be really light. Um, and I can be more like forceful and strong and literally doing this in movement, but it has corresponding behaviors. If I'm, if my, um, my preference and my tendency is to always be strong, then I'm going to have a different set of behaviors and someone who's always like light and maybe, uh, not confrontational and, oh, I don't want to hurt and kind of more people pleasing. So, um, we explored both of those qualities in one of our sessions. And then we were doing strong, forceful movements through, um, you know, through walking, through putting more weight in the ground, um, through making more noise. And very, very quickly, she was like, oh my gosh, I like, I'm having a response, and so um, helping her move through that without freezing up, and then and then we paused, and she she told me in that moment that a memory came up from for her. Out of all the decades of therapy, this had never come up, and she she suddenly remembered that there was a time when she was a teenager. Her um, her father, so her father was abusive to her mother. This was. was the issue for her she had a really healthy relationship with her husband he was loving and supportive but at the moment they had some disagreement her nervous system thought she was going to get abused by him because that's what she saw in her parents so one the memory that popped up was that her father once held a gun to her mother and she stood between that and stopped it and that came up through these like I wish I could be better at verbally explaining why, but these memories get stored non-verbally. So it's almost impossible to be like, this is exactly why it came up in this moment. But there was something about more force, um, which could remind someone's body of being more assertive, more strong. Like she had to be assertive and, and, and forceful in that moment to be like, no, you know, do yes. not point that gun at my mother, right? How horrible, how horrific. Um, so that came up and it just like, shh, I don't know, it was just a huge weight all of a sudden and lifted off of her. And um, it was one of the key moments in helping her heal her trauma and, and be more assertive. It's okay. It's, it's okay. It's safe to be assertive. Now I can speak up when my husband is upset and um, yeah, it made their relationship so much easier, so much more connected, uh, so much closer instead of her constantly being afraid she's going to get Abused, which wasn't based on reality. Yeah, and it makes so much sense to
1: me that through some of those stronger movements, that she would have, you know, an emotional reaction. Because all it takes is one, one thing, like we've already talked about, to trigger back to a moment, to a flash, to how we felt. And I think what's really interesting is, oftentimes we don't have conscious recall of our childhood in certain. A lot of the time, you know, if you ask about your childhood, you're like, I don't know. I remember being young. I don't remember a specific memory. A lot of my clients end up telling me, I don't remember my childhood. I'm like, yeah, me either. But if you can attach that to a feeling, an emotional state. So if you can go to like, I feel scared, I feel overwhelmed. And if you can attach uh, to an emotion, you can often link that to a time in your past to access a new memory from time in your past, you felt that same way that maybe you weren't thinking about the emotion and you wouldn't find it. So it's no surprise to me that when you're talking about these strong movements, that either that, that feeling of strength or maybe the sound, or maybe just like the fear or the overwhelm that she was feeling in that moment could link back to a memory like that because our our emotional memories are so, well, our memories are so stored uh, with the emotional components of our brains. Like our amygdala stores those emotional memories and we don't store uh, non-emotional, we don't store salient memories. Like who has, who has storage space for all that stuff. So we just store what's really important. Right. And I'm not shocked in hearing this, that, that you could get to, to access those parts of the memory. This is really, it's really cool. Really fascinating yeah. as I'm like thinking about what you're telling me and working that into what we're talking about. So let's imagine someone's at home right now, they're hearing the story and they wanted to play with different like lighter, softer movements. They're into this. Any tips for your home listener
2: right now? I love that you asked that. Cause in my head, I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to make a disclaimer here, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's important so i can give some tips a little bit later of where to start but i want to say that doing doing this on your own is not not usually very safe if you oh, to have, yeah if you have trauma stored in your body um you can play with it but for if you've ever been to a yoga class or Uh, We've had clients who've even gone to kind of dancey movement retreats and they came home more raw and triggered than before Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm. because movement can have such deep access to trauma. um, The, the key moment, it's not just about, oh, I'm going to do light and strong movements or I'm going to do whatever movements it's about what happens when that, what happens in your body and in your nervous system it's usually all I get dysregulated. It's bringing up trauma. I want to push it back down. I want to, you know, I fall apart. That's all, there's so much potential for it to be unsafe. The important part is that it's happening in a therapeutic relationship in a safe container. So that like, like I was saying before, the key moment is that as you feel this fear coming up in your body, you stay present and connected in your body and in the therapeutic relationship. That's what that's what rewiring really is. It's expanding that window of tolerance to feel these sensations, these feelings, these memories, whatever word we want to put on it and still being here. I'm still here with you, even though I'm scared, I'm not lashing out in anger. I'm not getting in my car and driving away. I'm not frozen like a deer in the headlights. I'm not playing dead. I actually had a patient in a psychiatric hospital who would literally faint in stressful situations with no medical reasoning. Um, it's that I'm here. And so if you think about, a, a nervous system that's experienced a lot of trauma, um, it's really similar to an infant's nervous system, an infant toddler, even they can't, they don't have the tools yet. To regulate themselves when they're really upset, really frustrated, sad, but they have the normal, hopefully, <laughs> the normal, healthy adult who does know how to regulate their nervous system, and so this is what we call co-regulation. My calm mother, um, or I'll just use my, I'll use me as a mother um, when when my baby is upset and frustrated. If I'm calm and gentle and soft, then he learned, then he co-regulates with that. And he eventually learns how to do it himself. So um, a lot of people are like, how can I heal trauma on my own? Um, in order to really truly rewire, we need that uh, quote unquote, strong, healthy mother or parent. Um, and obviously not to take that literally, don't do therapy with your parent but we need that safe therapeutic relationship where you can learn to regulate again. You can learn to expand your window tolerance and um, feel fear without uh, that wiling out basically. I mean, it sounds like you're describing just that co-regulation, that rewiring in relationship
1: is a really important aspect to this. Okay, so let's imagine that someone's really interested in this, like, okay, maybe not safe to do alone. Um, And they're really interested in what you're talking about like where can they find your team or what other steps could they do to find local? local. Yeah.
2: uh, You were a little cut off there, but I think you asked what steps, uh, the first, so so how could they find
1: someone to work with like this, whether it's your team or someone else?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So I would say first for a, like a a home tip for those who aren't really ready to look for anyone yet. Um, As I was saying before the first, it's just the first very important thing is to, to, find a safe safe place in your body right to be able to build that foundation because that is the very first step in order to then go in your body and heal so you can pay attention to the simplest littlest tiniest things um, how do i how do i walk from my office to the bathroom right I can walk really slowly. I can just intentionally walk a little bit slower. How does that feel in my body? I could take lighter steps. I could take heavier steps. Um, it's kind of playing with light and strong, but just more in an explorative. Let me let me see what what a, my body is doing kind of way. Um, and you can do that from any room to room, or from you know leaving your house to your car, whatever, wherever you live. Um, you can do this in even just the way you. Um, one of the things I recommended in my toxic self-awareness article is if you're going to listen to podcasts, if you're going to listen to a lot of, or listen to a lot of podcasts or do a lot of research, tune in regularly. Um, How is your, what sensations are coming up in your body as you're reading, as you're listening to something? Like if you're listening to this episode right now, and I said something that rubbed you the wrong way, you might feel like a like, I don't know, like a tension in your, in your, in your chest, right. It could happen in any way. So just notice that and be curious and, and just start to be more aware of what's happening in your body. Um, so you can be really primed and to do this work. Um, okay. Amazing. Yeah. And so then in some order- good first steps. Yeah, I have a free Facebook group. It's called the Lasting Love Movement. And it's uh, a space where if you want more guidance with just learning more how to connect with your body as a, a first healthy step, you can, uh, you can definitely join us if it feels like a good fit. Um, I also have a lot of free movement meditations on Insight Timer. I don't know if, if you know about that, but it's a, it's a meditation app. And I have lots and lots of free meditations that, um, you know, feeling worthy of love. How does that feel in your body? How do you move through that? And just me guiding people to do that. That's a really good place to start too. Amazing. Thanks for sharing those resources. You'll have to
1: send them to me after so that I can link them to the show now that we're giving all these resources away. And I'm sure they're going to be interesting to so many people. So we've, we've covered a lot and also I'm sure just skimmed the surface. So is there anything that's really important that you want to share about your work, uh, trauma healing that that you want to make sure we're putting out into the world before we wrap up this episode today?
2: Yeah. Um, I would say that if you are currently feeling really stuck, if you've gotten a lot of help and you're still feeling like you're hitting the same wall, I want you to, I want to encourage you or be assured that you're not broken, you're not damaged goods. You're not going to, you're not doomed they're meant to be like this forever. It's a, it's a good sign that, that you need something more embodied, right? If you've only done more of the talking or even the energy healing stuff, um, even a lot of clients who come to us have done things like EMDR um, and those kinds of things. And even if you've tried everything and you are listening to this and you haven't tried something more like this, more in the body, more movement, it can really create a change. And, um, just don't blame yourself. We all have a, an equal neurophysiological ability to rewire nervous systems for healthy lasting love. Um, Everyone is unique, but I like to tell people like you're not you're not special in that you're everyone else can heal, but you you can heal too.
1: <laughs> That's a powerful message. You can heal yeah. too, and and even if you've tried so many things, it's not working. It's okay to try another thing. Yeah. It's okay to try this too. Well, thank okay. you so much for coming on the show. This has been really enlightening, really informative. Just so many things to think about. I'm looking forward to checking out all of the resources. So if if people want to follow you, find you, where can they learn more? Can you just list off your website or any social handles you might have that they can look you up?
2: Uh, To keep it simple, I would say if you want to learn more, sign up for my free Rewired for Love training and you'll get connected to me and all my social stuff from there because A lot of people who have taken it said it's been more helpful and deeper awareness than years of talk therapy were, were for them Um, just getting to understand how trauma is stored in their bodies and how specifically it's showing up in their relationship, in their relationship patterns. It's only under an hour long and there's a workbook that comes with it. So if you are feeling stuck and you want to learn more, sign up for the training, it's Amazing and then we'll get more connected from there.
1: Yeah okay well we'll link that to the to the show notes and just thank you again
0: for being on. Thanks so much Amber. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship psych, the podcast put on by Amber Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, Check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.